0: scriptures today. Are we live? Starting live. I'm now live. Uh, So again, if you will flip along to the book of Genesis uh, chapter 28 real quick, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to dive into God's word today. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, we just want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come together in your word, God, to just spend time in your presence, God, to spend time in your words, Lord. And we know that the only way that we can grow in our relationship, God, is to seek you out. And the best way for us to seek you out, God, is, is through your scripture, Lord, and in our prayer time, God. And I just pray that today would be the spark that someone needs to ignite both their, their scripture reading and their prayer time today, God. In your heavenly gracious name we pray, amen. Don't know where my beautiful wife went, but she left the door open, and it's kind of chilly. You know, because it's the winter, I think. Is it fall? still fall. It's going to be 70 degrees in a couple days. You know, welcome to the south. Uh, So if you want to, again, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 28. Uh, This passage of scripture uh, in some Bibles may be listed or with a subheader of Jacob at Bethel. Uh, some will say Jacob's Ladder. Anybody heard that term before, Jacob's Ladder uh, or Jacob's Staircase? So we're going to read the scripture together real quick, and then we're going to actually uh, kind of take a deep dive into this passage and see what it means both in the, the, the time that it was written and what it means to us today. So uh, Genesis chapter 28 verse 10 says, Jacob left Beersheba, Beersheba and went toward Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it there at his head, and laid down in that place because the best pillow is rock, right? And he dreamed a stairway, uh, again, some translations will say a ladder, a stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching the sky. God's angels We're going up and down on it. The Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Which is kind of confusing because Abraham is actually his grandfather. uh, But it's phrased this way because it goes to show us the promise that was given originally to Abraham. And God told Abraham, I'll make you the father of many nations, right? So when it says the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, uh, know that Abraham was his grandfather, Isaac is Jacob's father, I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. Does that sound familiar? It's the same promise that he made to Abraham. And you will spread out toward the west and the east, the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. The promise is now on the third generation, guys. The same promise has been made to Abraham, who was too old to have children. And look what happened. Isaac came along, right? Isaac was advanced in age, and look what happened. God made a way, right? So we have Jacob. Jacob becomes the father of 12 tribes. Jacob is the father of Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, uh, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Ishkar, Zebulon, Joseph, Joseph in the coat of many colors, and Benjamin. Uh, Judah was fourth in the lineage. Judah is the tribe that Jesus came from by way of Jesse who was by way then of David. All right? So we see these biblical promises. We're on our third generation of biblical promise to directly uh, Abraham's family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And remember, that continues then through Jacob's descendants. The same promises made. You know, I'm going to make you as, 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 multiple, as multiple or as many as the sand on the earth. He even told Abraham, the stars in the sky so verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Some translations will say, My one of my favorite things that, that God promises, Surely that God is in this place. Uh some of the newer translations will actually say Yahweh. There, look, God gave us his name, guys. God wouldn't have given his his name, Yahweh, to us if he didn't intend for us to use it, right? If you introduce yourself to someone as Mr. Robinson, guess what you want to be called to that person? Mr. Robinson. If you introduce yourself to that person as Joe, you know what you intend to be called? Joe. So when God introduced himself to us as Yahweh, you know what he wanted to be called? Yahweh. Too many times we're afraid to take God up on the same promises and the same commands that he gave us. Verse 17, he was afraid... And said, what an awesome place this is. Why was it awesome? Because it was delivered directly by God. This is the gate of heaven. Y'all, that's strong. Verse 18. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone, you know, that comfortable pillow that he had. That was near his head and set it up as a marker So the thing that was there originally for comfort, right? Even though me and you wouldn't look at the stone as very comfortable. But the thing he used for comfort to have security and sleep in that night became a marker. It became a monument to God, right? So the thing that that people would look at as intended for something completely different, God has a way to take anything in this life and turn it into something new. Right? God has a way of taking anybody in this life and turning them into a new creation as laid out by Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm a new creation, right? Made new in Jesus Christ, just as he told us in the book of Ephesians that we are God's masterpiece. We we heard something incredible last night that honestly I never contemplated this, I never thought about this. Uh, and, and I'm going to phrase it a little different, but. Do you know the most beautiful creation that God has ever made? Do you know what it is? Anybody use a mirror this morning to get ready? You use a mirror? I obviously don't. I'm not helping myself with anything. But those of us that looked in a mirror this morning, the most beautiful creation that God has made, you saw in that mirror this morning. God intended great things for you, right? This promise was delivered long before you. Promise, this beautiful thing that God has made continues long after you. Verse 19. He poured oil on top of it, this marker, and named this place Bethel. The Hebrew may say Beth Elohim. You know what this means, guys? The house of God. Uh, Later in scripture, we'll we'll find out that anywhere where, where two or more of us gather, guys, where we gather in his word, where we gather in his name to seek him out, wherever that place is, it doesn't have to be a building. It doesn't have to be any particular place. It is just a meeting between us in seeking of him. Wherever we gather in his name, that place is church. That place is Bethel. That place is the house of God. So this morning when we gather here together, this isn't just City Growth Church. No, no, no. This is much more. This is the start of something new. This is a new creation in God. This is Bethel. This is a place where we can seek out God with one another. What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. Back in verse 17, he says, what an awesome place this is, this is none other than the house. Guys, if anybody else who didn't have that dream, if anybody else came along and didn't know what Jacob knew because of the revelation of God, they would have looked at him as crazy and said, man, you're standing out in the middle of the desert with your head on a rock. Right? Anybody else that didn't have that revelation from God, directly that didn't have that third generation of promise the same promise that applies to you and me that same yes and amen that we have they were to look to him as crazy man you're delusional Jacob you're standing in the middle of a desert wait until I tell you why he's there wait until we get into that part guys but here he is right in the middle of the desert he's put his head on a rock He's now turned that rock, poured oil on it, which means he's anointed it, right? He has set it apart. Uh, Some some versions of the Bible will say he's consecrated it. He has made it holy for God. You, that body that you carry, that body is the bride of Christ. Us together, we are the body of Christ. Christ. He has set you apart. He has anointed you. He has covered you in oil because he has consecrated you and called you holy. I know a lot of us guys when we come into this place, we've labeled ourselves, right? You you may label yourself as broken, you may label yourself as, as decrepit, you may label yourself as ugly, you'll label yourself as whatever thing that you have put on you, and that's not what God has called you. God has called you, as you see in Scripture, to be consecrated, to be set apart. You are holy and you are beautiful in His image. Because me and you, remember when we saw earlier, uh, weeks ago in, in, in Genesis, that we are image bearers of Christ, right? Right? And when we're image bearers of Christ, that means we are made in His image. You know why you can be the most beautiful thing that's ever walked the face of this earth? Because you were made in the image of the Most High. Yahweh put His special touch on you. Each and every single person in this room, let me tell you a little secret that that the world's not going to tell you. God spent a little extra time making you. Because you were set apart for a purpose. You were made, you were created on purpose for a purpose. You are a holy and living vessel that came into this place today because, again, remember, you chose to be here, right? You just need that reminder from God. Don't take my word for it. It's in Scripture. Don't take my word. You are created for God. Again, we jump back into verse 19. He's poured his oil on top of it. Remember, he's, he's consecrated. He set it as holy. And he named the place Bethel. Though previously, the city was called Luz. Y'all already know what that means? Olive tree. Almond tree, rather. Almond tree. He took something that was known as almond tree. Okay? I ain't making fun, but he took something that was identified as almond tree and turned it into the house of God. He repurposed a man. He repurposed a city. He repurposed a message for each and every single one of us. The world is telling you one thing and God is telling you another. Stop listening to the world. Last night, uh, again, remember we went to a concert, and, man, I heard something that tore me up from the floor up y'all the enemy may take some things but he can't take my worship you know why he can't take it because he didn't give it to you y'all he didn't give you worship how can he take away something that he didn't give that's exciting you know why he can't identify you why he can't give you a name because he didn't make you That's a word right there. I don't don't know who I'm preaching to because y'all ain't picking up on it, but that's a word. He can't give you a name because he didn't make you. Remember, you're an image bearer of God. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow. I'm going to show you why it's important that Jacob, this man that we're talking about, has made a vow now with God. Because you see, Jacob, you're like, oh man. He must have like this special relationship with God, right? Like this dude right here, you know what I'm saying? He must be holy in a whole other kind of way. Wrong. Let me take you to who Jacob was beforehand, and let's show you what happens when God gets a hold of you. Then Jacob made a vow, If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey I'm making, If he provides for me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, then the Lord will be my God. And it's already been promised, and it's going to happen. God's told him, I'm going to give you this land to your father's father, right? This stone, you know why it's important that the representation was a stone? What did the Ten Commandments come on? Hey, somebody shouted, That's a stone tablet, right? This same image, this, this same image that we have with the stone will be important once again when our commandments are laid out to us. It's a promise. It's a covenant. Remember, that's a yes and amen directly from God. This stone that I've set up as a marker will be God's house. People will say, oh man, you got to have a church building. He had a stone. If a rock can be the church, you can be the church. If a rock can be made as the house of God, what do you think? He's got a lot better plans for you. Right? If that old rock out in the middle of a desert can be consecrated and it ain't made in the image of God, what's he got planned for you? And I will give you A tenth of all that you give me. Why is that important? Why is that important that that Jacob says, I'll give you a tenth of everything I got? Because he's entering this covenant with God, right? This covenant that still applies to me and you, that we can be the house of God. And the important part of him giving 10% of everything he has is that God leaves you with 90%. And guess what? Ain't 0% of it technically yours. Right? Y'all, That's something right there. I don't don't know. I think y'all got a different Bible than I got or something because mine, that's something to get excited about, right? Oh, you know, 10%. I get 90 or something that ain't mine. That's something to get excited about. So why was it important to know what happened to Jacob beforehand? Uh, Let me introduce y'all to a little something called Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27, see, Jacob has an older brother named Esau. He's real hairy. I'm just going to include that fact for you because everybody likes a random fact, right? Esau's real hairy. My Uncle Wayne is real hairy. I remember seeing that as a kid, and I looked up and adored my Uncle Wayne. But one time, I spotted my Uncle Wayne without a shirt, and I thought that I had spotted Sasquatch, right? Like, I thought that I had spotted Bigfoot. He's out there washing his red Toyota Pickup truck that he still has to this day, with no shirt, and he looks like a bear. Okay, and, and I, I laugh because if my uncle Wayne, like God tells you in Scripture, this is one of the hairiest men to ever walk to earth, right? Y'all ever seen them little like the the little national enquires, right? We're we're actually talking about that level of hairy. I'm off on a tangent, but w- what what you need to see. Is that Esau, who's the older brother. Y'all know anything about olden times? Who got the birthright? Older brother. Does it matter if he's hairy? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, he's he's his dad's favorite. His dad's like, man, you're so ugly. Only your daddy could love you, right? Esau has the birthright. Jacob, his name literally means heel. His name literally means deceiver. When they're coming out, they're twins, when they're coming out, Esau's coming out first. Jacob is literally holding his foot like, nah, man, I'm in for the ride. Because he's trying to steal the birthright. All his life, he had worked to steal what was not his. And in Genesis chapter 27, he does just that. His dad is getting, Isaac's getting ready to die, right? He's like, man, it's time to lay on that birthright. He's like, Esau needs you to go out hunting. And cook me up that meal that I like. You know I like that rabbit stew, right? This boy wasn't really rabbit. I don't know if they have rabbit in the middle of the desert. Jackalope maybe. Go get me that jackalope. I don't know if those are real animals either. I shouldn't go there. But he wanted that special stew, right? So what you need to know about about Jacob is Jacob is mama's boy. Jacob's always been given, right? He's going to take even if you don't give him. So mama is always, he's a mama's boy. Mama's always taking care of him. Okay. So Jacob steals his, his brother's birthright by by literally putting hair on himself, going in and like literally stealing what wasn't his and then preparing it for his dad so that he can steal his brother's birthright. His brother is out working hard to do exactly what he told what his dad asked him to do. And Jacob's like, ooh, I got this, man. Right? And he steals what's not his. So in Genesis chapter 27, we see, so listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban and Haran. So mom's like, bro, you got to go. Your brother is mad, right? He's mad bad. Like he's going to kill you. You stole his birthright. The only way he can get it back now is to kill you, right? So she's like, you got to go. So she's, he's sent away, Right? to go and marry because dad says y'all can't be marrying these Canaanite women right (laughs) y'all can't be marrying these Canaanite women so mom's like look 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 we're going to make daddy happy if he lives long enough we're going to have you marrying somebody who he says is thumbs up they're good to go right and it's kind of funny that this happens to Jacob anybody know about what happens between him and Laban he tricks him right he's like hey man that girl looking real good. Oh, man, just work hard for me, right? And you can have her for 10 years. So he works it. And old dad pulls the switcheroo, right? Gives him the ugly older one, right? He wants the good-looking young one, right? So he got a taste of his own medicine, right? That's later in Scripture. But right here in chapter 27, we see that he has stolen the birthright. So why is he out in the middle of the desert where God laid a promise on him? Because he's running away. Guys, I don't know if that gets you excited, but like he was literally being flesh, right? Like he was literally in the middle of doing dirty. God found him in the middle of doing dirty and delivered the promise to him. It don't matter what you've done to get to this point. The only thing that matters is when you get to this point, you see God for who he is. That when you get to that point, you say yes sir, you say yes and amen and you follow along with the vow, with the promise, with the consecration that God has put on your life. If he can turn a rock into a church, what can he do for you? This ain't me telling you you're going to be a millionaire if you pray for it. This is me telling you that if you work and you pray and you seek God, whatever you have is delivered by God. And while you're, you're, you're sad that it may not be enough, it's more than enough. God delivers in abundance. So whatever God delivers was, was more than you ever deserved, guys. Remember, you, you, you technically have zero. He says, you know what? I love you. Keep 90. Right? That's the God that we serve. What he did through Jesus was not a free pass to keep sinning. Right? Jesus paid our debt. He didn't pay our debt, so we keep swiping the card." He paid our debts so that we could see the love that was required to say, you know what, while we were yet sinners, I'm willing to die for you. It doesn't say keep swiping the card, right? Don't run up the check. It says change. It says be a new creation in me. It says see this, this verse from Ephesians. See Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus and saying you are his workmanship. It says, go and look at Genesis. Look at the the promise delivered uh, when Moses recorded it that, that Adam was created in God's image. Right? Genesis 28, 13 says, At the top of the stairway, or the ladder, stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord. The NLT actually says the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. I love how that one clears it up for me. Right? Because they like to get into some weird stuff back then. So I was just making sure that lineage is what I thought it was. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. God had already given it to him while he was asleep. Y'all, this man is asleep on the ground with his head on a rock and said, you know what? God said, you know what? The promised land that I gave to Abraham, your grandfather, this is it right here. This ain't name it and claim it. This is me telling you what y'all have been working for your whole life. You're running away from trouble, and this is it. Genesis 28, 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. Y'all, he is sleeping. But he's working hard. Yeah, he's working hard at it, snoring. Right? Right? When he awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Genesis 28, 19. He named the place Bethel, bethel Bethel, which means the house of God, although it was previously lost. It meant almond tree. You know how many people probably pass through there and like, Man, it ain't good here. This This is that almond tree city. And God says, you know what? Why are they laughing? I'm making it new. This is my house. This is mine. You are mine. It doesn't matter what you're running from as long as you're running toward me. Genesis 28, 22, And this memorial pillar, this rock, right, that I have consecrated and set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. If you're somebody that likes to take notes, i got a couple of, of, I guess, bullet points for you today. The first being that the gathering, this is what we're doing right now. The gathering connects us and prompts us to strive for obedience. Do you know what the cool part about coming together like this is? We can hold each other accountable. I'm part of a uh I, I do multiple, but I'm part of uh of, of of some Bible reading plans. And the really cool thing about Bible reading, man, is that like if you're not if you don't have anybody to hold you accountable, right? You missed a day, right? What happens then? The next day you just try and read two days worth? No. Now you've missed two days. Now you missed three days. Now you miss four days, you're like, eh, I might read a verse. And you fall behind. But when you have accountability. And everybody sees, hey man, what's wrong? What's happening? Now you start to to catch up and make up ground because you have people to hold hold you accountable. You know why he called us together? Was to hold each other accountable. Last night I realized something. We might not like to sing, right? A lot of us was like, man, me too, okay? That's fine. You're allowed to sing. You're like, what? I'm not in a choir. Yes, you are. You're in the choir of heavenly armies. When you get to heaven, you're going to be so busy worshiping God, singing his praises, you ain't going to have time to worry about if anybody else's watching. Why not start now? Who likes to practice before they do something? Me, right? So I don't fool of myself. Hebrews 10 24 through 26 says, Let us. Think of ways to motivate one another, to pump each other up, right? Anybody, my, my ladies, y'all got gal pals? You got like that girl that like, you know what I'm saying? When you, you don't ask your husband how does this outfit look because you know your husband is going to be your husband. So you, you send that pic to your gal pal, right? And she says, yes, you do it, girl. Y'all got that gal pal? That's what we're called to do. None of the guys. Me and Jimmy, don't worry about what we when we send each other our outfit pics, Okay, don't worry about that. I was making a, a silly there. It's okay, y'all can laugh. You don't have to be uptight, right? Anybody want to like do like a, a shake real quick? Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Uh, y'all want some? Uh, Y'all want some full context here? Why is why is Paul talking about, oh, it's not necessarily Paul, because it's the book of Hebrews. Maybe it's Paul, maybe it's not Paul. It's definitely a student of or a student with Paul, right? So he says, no, let us not neglect our meeting together. Anybody remember as we were going through the book of Acts? What happened to Stephen? He got he got killed. Right? He was a martyr. What happened? around that event is the church is spread, right? The church is split up. So they're scared to meet together. Oh, look what we got here. Let us not neglect our meeting together. What's happening right now in America, guys? Vaccine or no vaccine, mask or no mask, right? We're allowing the agenda to split us apart. The world won back then. They split the church up. Oh, they thought they won. Really, they spread the church, right? Right now. In this time, in this country, when everybody is so worried about division, this is a time that you can come together, we can come together, and we can seek Him, we can search Him, right? This is a time when everything else tries to split us, that we can come together stronger than ever. Last night was was crazy for me, because at this concert, this is a bunch of people who paid premium dollars to come together and worship the Lord. And at one point in time during one of the songs, uh, the lights. Everybody knows my my thing for lights. Like I like I like the light, right? It ain't because I'm pretty, okay? I just feel like God is called for us. To be a light, right? Evil scatters to the darkness. That's my thing. That's my my my. Hey mom, you're old. What's that thing where they talk about? That's my my. Nope, nobody knows the expression. What? Not my jam. What are you talking about? Uh, so the thing where like that's my my stool, something stool, my soapbox. That's my soapbox, right? Look, you're you're not even good at being old. I love you, mom. because <laughs> she's not old, she's experienced. I was winking at you. You're supposed to say yes. I love you, my son. Now y'all see why I'm not the favorite child, right? But in that moment, as I'm looking around in in this brightness, I see people of every age, every color, every gender, right? The word ethnos. We're called to go and spread the word to all ethnos, people of all people groups. And I saw that last night. I looked across at one point in time. Like I said, the the light got kind of bright. Ooh, that's my my jam. I did it for you, Mom. That's my jam. And I look... And across from us is literally like this older couple, older African-American couple, probably in their 60s. And right beside them is a younger Caucasian couple, probably in their early 20s. And they're almost like hip to hip, arms in the air, and they're not afraid to praise the Lord. Remember what I asked y'all earlier, who chose to come here, right? What's the difference between this setting and that setting? Those are toes. I felt somebody's as I was walking there. Gathering as the church was actually God's idea. What? Yeah. God intended this thing called the tabernacle, right? It's literally a tent where they could just worship God. So in Exodus 25, uh, Exodus 25, 8 in particular, they are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. Verse 9 says, you must make it according to all that I have shown you, uh, the pattern of the tabernacle as well as the pattern of his furnishings. God laid out a very strategic plan for us to be the church. Guys, cows, young people and old people alike, I'm old too probably like the second oldest person in this room probably but you know the best part it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what our color is doesn't matter what our age is what our gender is we're all called in this place to be the church together following the same plan that he laid out with moses in exodus here After God brought the, Israel, brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he gave Moses very specific instructions to create a portable church known as the Tabernacle. That's what we see there in Exodus 25. God instructed Moses to have all the Israelites, all of them, give, right? Remember we just we just talked about how 100% of it is God's, and he says, you know what, you keep 90. Uh, I don't know about y'all, that's a good deal, Right? Like most people, you're good, to get, you're good to get a 50-50, right? God's like, man, this is 90-10. You're like, hey, yep, yep, I ain't even going to ask you twice. 90-10, I'm good with it, God, right? So he brought them all together. And they all gave together for this thing called the tabernacle. Well, how do you know? Go read Exodus 25, I promise you. They didn't just magically make gold. They didn't just magically make this wood come together, right? Everybody chipped in, and the church expanded. The church then had a home. Even the health, even the heavenly hosts gather in one designated location to worship God. We see that in Hebrews one. Literally, all of Hebrews one is talking about how God, how Jesus through God, Jesus is lifted to the most high, right? And the heavenly hosts bow and pray to Him. In Revelation seven eleven, we see all the angels stood around the throne. Who's on the throne? Jesus. Good job, guys. And along with the elders, there's 12 elders, 12 tribes. Remember, I even told y'all who the 12 tribes were earlier. Look at me. And the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne and worshiped God. The concept of meeting together for prayer and teaching is not just Old Testament, because I know that's what you're thinking. You're like, all the examples you gave us is Old Testament. It's not. When Jesus came to this earth, right, lived in a family group, they worshiped together, they prayed together, he had a great example, right, he had a hard working dad and a mom who loved him, wow that sounds a lot like a lot of us, right, Jesus was raised and he comes to take power and do you know what he does, he gathers together people, he gathers 12, pours into them and then spreads them out, right. He tells him to go and preach this word. When he is high and lifted up, he says, you know what? The same thing you've been doing, that's the command I give you. Go forth and make disciples of all nations. There's that ethnos word we were talking about. To go and make disciples of all people groups. You're like, I don't know if I believe you. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, They were all gathered together in one place. That's where a lot of dad jokes come from. They were all in one accord, right? Jesus drove a Honda because they were all in one accord. Y'all are welcome if you've never heard that one before. Take that one with you. Uh, Acts 2.46 says, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. God laid out a very specific specific strategic plan for us. Anybody ever heard of this thing called the Last Supper? Right? This thing called communion that we take pretty much once a month here. The reason we do it is we follow in the example of Christ. that We gather together right? We spend time with one another. Remember in Hebrews he says not to neglect this meeting together as some of you have. It's easy. Guys, I promise you, it's easy to miss church. What happens is one turns into three in a row. Three in a row turns into six months. Six months turns into eight years. Eight years turns into generational curses where our children now don't know what church is. Right? Generational churches now mean that we have whole age groups of people who don't know God because they've never seen the inside of a church. I'm not telling you that, that you have to go to church to, to meet God. I'm just telling you that's the easiest place to talk to Him. That's the, easy, that's the best place to hear, his, to hear Him speak to you is together amongst believers. Right? And we're breaking generational curses. We're, we're breaking the chains of addiction. We're breaking the chains of bondage. We're breaking the cycles that the world has allowed to define us. And what did I tell you guys? The world does not define you because the world did not create you. So Matthew 10, 1 through 15, there he's gathering the the first 12 disciples. Uh, John 1, 35 through 51, again, bringing the 12 together, guys. Spreading them out. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. You guessed it. He is making the body of Christ come together and be the church. The church is not a place. The church is all of us together. That's the big C church. All of us coming together. These buildings, these are little C churches. These are places where we can come together and not worry about the outside world. The only way that these things have success is if we do big C church together outside of this place as well. The tithe was actually put in place to support the church and the facilities first and to reach the lost second. You know how we can be effective at reaching the lost if we do this together, right? Anybody ever heard of strategy meetings? These are strategy meetings. That's what these are. This is us equipping to go out. Romans 15, 25 through 29 Right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem, this Paul, to serve the saints because Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, then they are obligated to minister to them in material needs. Oh, man. Part of taking care of each other is getting each other out on the right feet. I can't tell y'all how many of our giveaways out there, that we're just giving things away. Hot dogs, whatever it may be, right? When we're giving away school supplies. And people will stop and say, I mean, I'll get it, but like, but why? Like, what's the catch? God told us to do this. Right? There is no catch. I said love on each other. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love on each other. Right? Two most important commands given by Jesus Love God, love each other, love yourself. Man, anybody notice a common theme there? A whole lot of L word, right? I I work uh, in corporate America, and one of the other guys that I see on uh, a pretty regular basis, obviously working in corporate America, I always do this, right? And Seth's like, man, this just goes to show you, like, how far away from love the world has gotten. I always do that to him, right? So one day, I've known Seth now for for years and years. And Seth one day he says, man, why you always do that? Seth, that's, that's, I love you, man. Think about that. Something as simple as an old school gesture, right? I love you. I don't know if that's actually sign language, so don't quote me on it. But that's like a known thing, right? I love you. The world has gotten so far away from love that we don't even remember the representation of it, right? We don't remember the sacrifice that Jesus laid out for me and you. That Jesus laid out for this world. One of my favorite things I've ever heard in church and until you're you're actively participating in it it just sounds like something to you it's just one of those things that people say right you cannot outgive god financially spiritually emotionally mentally physically right everything that you do you will never be able to give more than god gave because it starts at the root he gave you 90 kept 10 all 100% of it was his right he gave His Son on a cross for you. He gave the gift of resurrection so that we could be raised to new life, right? He gave the baptism of the water so we could be cleansed of our sin. He gave the baptism of the fire so that we can be gifted with Him to live in our day-to-day lives. Everything that He does is about giving to you. It's about building you up. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says, The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Y'all can go read that one, I promise you. I'm not just making that up. That's That's what the Word says. That God loves a generous giver. You're like, oh, is this just a tithing message? No, it's not. This is me telling you that you can't come in here and act like you're the church and leave here and forget who God is. If you want to say you're the church, be the church outside the four walls. This is little c church. Go out there and be the church. When you come in this building, worship God because he deserves it. When you come in here, don't sit on here sitting here like a knot on a log and you checked off a checklist. Oh, I actually went to church today. You, you, you came and you were in the building, but were you there? Were you present and accountable? Remember I told you all, why do we gather together to be able to hold one another accountable, to love on each other? Proverbs 22.8 says, The one who sows injustice will reap disaster and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. If you out here filling the world with more negative, don't be surprised when the world tears you down. But when you're out there being a light, right? When you're out there being a light, don't be surprised if people change because they see the change starting with you. One of the things, one of the reasons why we started this church because we truly felt like revival was one step away that a renewal could come to this community, this Anderson area, this Greenville, South Greenville area, is that we could start something here in this little people group, right? In this small ethnos, that we could start something there that would be so much bigger than ourselves. When I leave this earth, I don't care if anybody knows my name. What I care about is how many disciples did did I make. How many disciples came out of this church? How much of an impact do we make on the world? I've I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, It doesn't matter if we have a billion dollar building. You know what's never going to be on the sign? My name. Because it ain't about me. It ain't about you. It's about what we do together. This is going to sound super crazy. This is my, my last bulletin, I guess. My point, if you will. That we gather, we give, and we grow. Can I tell you guys a secret? None of the three of those can be successful by itself. They have to come together. You have to gather, you have to give your all, and you have to grow with one another. The entire pattern here follows the mold of the plan that God laid out before Moses and then affirmed through Jesus. And we see it in Hebrews 8, verses 1 through 5. It says, now the main point of what is being said is this. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle. Who's the true tabernacle? Jesus. That was set up by the Lord and not by man Oh man, it's almost like I've been telling y'all this all along. Who made you? God. Who didn't make you? The world. Why are you letting the world defy you? Why are you letting this world tell you who you are? God has already told you exactly who you are. You are Bethel. You are the house of God. who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. And he offered everything. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest since... Though, there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law, Woo, calling us out. We're more worried about what other people are saying. You, you know what the Pharisees, you know why they truly like to follow the law? Because they could brag about how good they were. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is while you guys are busy bragging about who's the best, the person who's given humbly, the person Jesus, the person who is pouring out his blood, his heart, with expecting nothing in return. He actually says that, that one of the greatest gifts that, that man could ever give is to lay down his life for a brother. And he did that for us. These serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was warned, when he was about to complete the tabernacle. We looked at that back uh, in Exodus chapter 25. God said, look, I'm telling you exactly how to build my house. Build my house. Right? For God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, when I delivered my word. You know what his his final instruction for us was? I told you guys. To go and love. To go and make disciples of all nations. Right? God loves a cheerful giver. Don't come in here and give your eh. Don't even come in here and give your second best. If, if when you come into this place, if you're not willing, you're not ready to give your best. Don't give it all. Right? God ain't looking for for, for 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 scraps. Right? God wants the hundred so he can give you back the ninety. Think about that. Why don't we come and pour it all out for him? So he can show us the proper way to, to, to send it out. Right? So that he can show us the proper way. So he can show us the same thing, the same revelation that he showed Moses on Mount Sinai the same revelation that he showed Jesus when he was in Gethsemane praying when literally he is praying and sweating blood God loves a cheerful giver I'm going to pray for us real quick uh, and then I've got one verse of scripture while, while Jessica coming up to lead us in our last uh, song of worship I'm going to pray for us and we're going to look at that last verse uh, Dear Heavenly Father God we just want to thank you Lord that we get to come together, God, and just to worship you, God. That we get to come together, Lord, and give 100%, Lord. That everything that we do, God, we seek you, we search you, and you, we ask, Lord, that you would show us anything within ourselves, God, that doesn't align with you. And I pray today, God, that if there's anybody in this place that needs to leave anything behind, Lord, the altars are open, God, that this place is a place of prayer, God, that this place is a place of worship. And I just pray, Lord, that we would seek you and search you above all things. In your heavenly gracious name we pray. Amen. So we've done a lot of looking. You can come on up, Jess. We've done a lot of looking here uh, at, at, at Paul today. So in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul laid out the gauntlet for us. He says, Four brothers and sisters... In view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. Worship is more than singing a song, guys. Giving your body as true and holy and pleasing to God, this is true worship. Verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect within the will of God. So in other words, you are to be a sacrifice of Him. Jessica's going to come up uh, with, with what you have just heard, guys. I would pray that you